This is Paul Nobles from Eat Reform, and I am sitting here with the lovely Sarah Kumar. And we are going to have a pretty, what I think is going to end up being a pretty interesting conversation. Right now, we have a lot of people following the the podcast. We, we don't typically do this podcast on Friday, so I get the confusion, everybody, but I think you're going to kind of understand where things go. If you've not followed the ePerform podcast, we have a lot of interesting information. Today is the day that we kind of go half on topic and then uh, the topic that I put in the post, which we're going to talk about kind of bodybuilding and, and kind of getting diet plans from bodybuilders and then also um, some of the interactions that I've had within the CrossFit and Olympian community that I think is interesting to people and will be kind of fun stories to talk about. So, um, you know, in some ways, I tend to be a little too honest and some of the things that I'm going to talk about, uh, I might regret <laughs> um, down uh -huh. the road, but there's just no reason to stop that. Um, or do hey, well, let, you didn't even let me say hi. Let's start yeah. there. Yeah, let's. So, Sarah, why don't you say hi? Hi, everybody. This is what he likes to do. He likes to like keep me in the corner, keep me muted. Yeah. How's that working but, for me? Is that working great? How is that? You like it? Yeah. <laughs> the um, I need to get my my dog one of the um, one of the shirts that says. I don't need to get ready when you don't need to get ready when you stay ready, because she yeah. she attacked the neighbor dog yesterday. Um, oh man! Yeah, it was it was brutal. She ended up running out in the middle of the street. It was like really scary. Um, my daughter, oh my, my daughter wasn't expecting it, and so she ended up kind of with tears. Um, so be on the lookout for trend sheets, and then sort of post those to the um, chat so I can kind of review that. I did already tell everybody that we're not going to start reviews till 1230. Okay. And um, there's just nothing but idiots posting to comments right now. So hopefully we'll get some, some real people talking here real soon. Um, so the first thing that I wanted to talk about, because there was like this, this meme um, that talked about... <laughs> Uh, bodybuilders writing plans. And, and first of all, I just want to tell you guys that I have a unique view on steroids, right? I definitely know people that use steroids. Um, I think in sports like powerlifting and bodybuilding, those things are accepted and it's sort of an understood thing that those things are accepted. Um, we're just getting just hammered with idiots. Um, okay, the, we can take this off the, I mean. In the comment section. Are you are you an admin so you can just like delete and block these people? Because, you Yeah, know, I, I mean, I can. It's sort of, sort of distracting. So, um, so if that's understood that certain powerlifting federations, you know, if they don't test, um, if they don't test, it's understood that it's sort of accepted, right? And bodybuilding is the same. You know, they'll they'll be, you know, I don't really know all that much about the federations that accept it and stuff like that. That's not 
you know, a big part of my life in the powerlifting world. I, I know quite a bit about that just because I compete powerlifting and have, um, you know, many friends that do it. But we've never really been kind of a bodybuilding type of, um, you know, program, right? We certainly have people that compete bodybuilding naturally. We have people that, um, you know, uh, you know, compete in physique. But we'll often tell people that a big part of what we believe as it relates to bodybuilding is that the bodybuilding piece is, is really important, right? And you can use us for cutting cycles or you can use whatever um, outside of that. But typically, we're not going to be super aggressive. What we want is more of a sustained thing over time. And so the, the meme that is sort of going around are these bodybuilders that are on steroids that are writing diet programs, right? And it's not well known that these people are on steroids, right? And so what often you will hear from these folks is that the steroids barely matter, right? That, you know, and if I do steroids as an example, I would be saying similar things to what they say, right? that they still got to lift weights, they still got to work hard to see a result. All of that is true. But to say that steroids as an example, I'll give you a great example. If you're doing low carb and low calorie and you're on steroids, your plan works a lot better than it does if you don't, right? And a lot of people don't focus on that piece. And I think that piece, you know, if you're reading something and somebody's writing it from the framework of, you know, using some assistance and you're not using assistance and you lose four pounds and they've lost 30 pounds, well, there's a big answer for that, right? And the question is, are you understanding that? they've got this advantage. And so one of the things that you'll often hear is that it really doesn't make that big of a difference, right? And if it doesn't make that big of a difference, then just get off the steroids, right? And then, then you can prove what you're saying. But every single person that I've ever met, you know, I remember a friend of mine, Brian, who, um, you know, in the 70s started, you know, started a steroid cycle. And he got so good so fast that it scared the shit out of him, right? And mm -hmm. he knew that, you know, he was just not doing something positive for himself. And so he got away from it. Now, you know, like I said, I'm not anti-steroids. You know, I think that there's a lot of instances. <clears throat> there's a lot of guys, as an example, that are my age, new to fitness, <laughs> that might be doing um, hormone replacement. Hormone replacement is not steroids, right? I mean, it's like a minor league version of steroids, right? What what people that are using steroids for big assistance, they're typically looking at much bigger dosages, dosages that doctors would not subscribe or, or prescribe. And so I, I think that that's sort of interesting, but but kind of this meme sort of highlights this, right? Where it talks about, you know, um, why 
plans work, right? And it's like 5% consistency, 5% almonds, 5% quest bars, 100% steroids, <laughs> right? And, yeah. and I just thought it was funny and something that should be mentioned because if you look at a 5'10 male and that 5'10 male is 245 pounds and writing a book and telling you how to diet, they may know how to diet, but from a from a genetic standpoint, people don't get to you know single low single digits at two hundred and forty five pounds at five ten, right? You have to have some assistance to do that. Once again, I'm not saying you know for myself that's not something that that matters to me a great deal. It's not something I've needed to see the success that. That I wanted. Would I like to stick a needle in my ass and you know be two hundred? <laughs> yeah. Would I like to be you know add thirty pounds? What, you know, it's so easy to add thirty pounds of muscle. There's no question that the amount of hard work that a lot of people do. Here's the interesting piece that I think a lot because we have clients that have come from backgrounds where they were using steroids and they've stopped and you know they get frustrated at the amount of progress that they used to make compared to the progress that they're making now, right? And what I think sort of needs to be understood in this situation is that if if you're um, struggling with caloric restriction and every coach that you know is using assistance and you're not, how long do you think it's going to be until you start using assistance, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, yeah. not, nothing about the hard work, you know, I mean, you can't just like stick a needle in your ass and all of a sudden 30 pounds of muscle comes up, right? You have to lift weights. You have to be able to recover. But I remember there was a pretty well-known strongman um, who posted his testosterone levels and it was off the charts like i don't know if anybody saw the dr oz but dr oz kind of raved about you know donald trump having 450 um his testosterone levels were 450 sort of free testosterone compared to you know um it, those readings kind of you know don't necessarily matter and you have to sort of break down the levels of testosterone, and I don't want to get into that whole piece. But anyway, long story short, the strongman posted, and his testosterone levels were like seven thousand or eight thousand, right? Oh my god, that's the that's the kind of you know thing that you can do that ultimately can can end up harming you long term. And so I think when you're struggling, and the people around you are taking assistance, and you aren't it's going to be a short time before you're taking assistance. So kind of keep that in mind. Mm -hmm. So the other piece that I wanted to talk about, because there was an article about us and kind of our, you know, struggles and triumphs related to um, being a startup and being four years old and, um, you know, kind of moving in, you know, from that direction. And there was a lot, that we talked about, I think, you know, between April and I, we, um, April was a person that wrote the article. Um, but 
And I, I do agree. Like I said, for me, you know, steroids, there's somebody saying, say no to drugs. You know, I'm not advocating for steroids. What I'm sort of advocating is a more honest approach to, right. you know, writing diet plans for regular people. The good majority of regular people don't want to be doing steroids. They don't want to be going to some guy in a back alley to, you know, um, to rub some cream on them so they can get their gains, uh-huh. right? So mm-hmm. I'm, I want to definitely make everybody understand that I'm not like pro steroids, but I am saying that within the culture of fat loss and working out and stuff like that, it's more prevalent than you would think. And if you know you're not understanding that, and you're looking at people that are teaching you something, right? You have to look at their genetic potential and are they far beyond their genetic potential? And then if that is a good fit for your scenario. And like I said, if if steroids serve no benefit, then show us, right? Don't right. do them for a while and then let's see what happens to you, right? Um, right. And what they're going to find is that, oh, wait a second, I can't work out six days a week. I can't, you know, put in those two, three hour sessions that you know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are putting in without some repercussions. Um, so the other piece that we, we, you know, I wanted to talk about that was, I thought, interesting to people. And this is the the piece that could potentially get me in trouble because, I'm, oh, because I am going to sort of name names and 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 just talk about things. And I'm not talking about it in terms of negative, but I wanted to walk through kind of this basic idea of sponsoring athletes, okay? So in the CrossFit community, um, certain level Olympians and and even, you know, powerlifting competitors, uh, you know, Olympic lifters, you know, those types of folks, when we're talking about the sponsorships that those guys are receiving, it's not often... You know, they're not driving Bentleys related to these sponsorships, right? Um, More often than not, if somebody's sponsored by a protein company or they're sponsored by, you know, a carb company or wraps or something like that, they're sort of getting these things for free, right? And, you know, there may be, so let's say that, you know, I'm not going to name, but let's say that you were a jump rope company and you wanted to have kind of a high level, you know, um, games athlete person represent your company, you might pay their entry into an event and then give them some travel money and then they show up and then voila, you know, you're, um, you know, they're sponsored, but they're not really sponsored. And we sort of played that game for a while. You know, when, when we first started off sponsoring, you know, CrossFit games athletes and, and kind of, you know, um, people that were aspiring to be Olympians and, and, and um, uh, Olympic lifting had potential to go to the Olympics and stuff like that. It was always people that, you know, it wasn't like, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think of who are like the, the high level. It wasn't like, like Klokov, right? Or, or some of these people that are super highly accomplished. Most of those people are being sponsored by, you know, people that are actually putting money in their pockets, right? Right. Um, we were one of the first people to actually put people, 
put money in people's pockets for CrossFit Games athletes, for kind of aspiring Olympic lifters and and powerlifters. And what was interesting about all that is that there was also like this. I, I'm I'm just trying to say it in a way that that everyone will get it, but. When you're talking to someone about how they eat, they're somewhat listening to you and they're kind of doing your plan, but they mostly want to make rent, right? Right. And and so when you're having conversations with these people, you know, I'll give I'm gonna name names because I, I just think that's fair to this situation. So one of the first people, you know, uh, that we ever worked with was Elizabeth Ackenwally. Now, I'll tell you, the relationship that I had with Elizabeth was not, you know, she was, you know, I was setting her macros and we were doing all this other type of stuff. I remember kind of our early conversations was, was real simple, like trying to get her to use creatine, introducing some carbohydrates. You know, we had a financial relationship. And um, I was trying to help her manage her brand. And I think when you look at her page right now, you know, I think the, the um, relationship that we had back then, you know, there wasn't a lot of people buying likes to expand their audience. And most people didn't understand the value of that the way that, you know, most people understand now. And so in that relationship, I bought her that audience, right? And as I was paying, you know, what I could to her, you know, I would help her with relationships that I could help her with, which wasn't a ton. I remember, you know, Vitargo, as an example, was something that, that I'd connected her with. But my connection with Elizabeth was more friendly, right? Um, you know, we, we had talked on the phone. She lives in Chicago, brought my family to work out with her. Um, great athlete you know, uh, great person. And, uh, you know, when people, when it was obvious that, you know, she would start talking about like other nutrition stuff. Um, it was just like, well, okay, you know, that's fine. You know, so we just sort of parted ways from that standpoint. I think, I think what everyone sort of needs to understand in these relationships is that, everybody's kind of looking for the next thing, you know? Mm -hmm. It's like Tinder. Yeah, it's, it's sort of like Tinder, right? It's like, I love Tinder. will this dude help me with my rent? Awesome. You know, will this mm -hmm. other dude help me with my rent more? Cool. See you later, old dude, right? And it's, so when, It's like channel surfing. Yeah, and so when we first started, you know, Eat to Perform, you know, we were the only ones that were really paying people, right? And so... Probably the, the 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 relationship that we had the closest relationship with you know for a long time was Danny Haran, and so for a lot Danny you know Danny called me like within maybe a day of her winning the the East Regional many years ago right and you know she's been super competitive just won the Granite Games my daughter has like a hand sign mm -hmm. Danny Haran 
you know, CrossFit Games jersey that Reebok made for her. So she was a big part of Eat the Perform and our family for a long time. When, you know, she didn't make the CrossFit Games last year, but but the previous year we were really involved with, you know, managing her nutrition and kind of talking to her most of the time. And, you know, we had done kind of similar things to to Elizabeth where we wanted to help her manage her brand so she could get her name out there. And I think we did that. I mean, I think a lot of people, you know, one of the things I explained to Danny at one point was that, you know, we had, she was probably the most recognized person in terms of workouts. Because if you look at the CrossFit Games page, you know, they had all these these people that they were kind of putting out there. In our case, you know, we sort of had Danny in a, in a small little roster of, you know, Kelly, Jordan Cook, you know, Travis, uh, um, shoot, Travis Williams. But we had a small roster. Yeah, we, yeah, Jolene. Um, but we had kind of a small roster of, of people that, you know, we were sort of working with. And, you know, the thing that people need to realize is that when you're working with these folks, and I'm not specifically talking about Danny or Elizabeth or, or any of the other people that we worked with, but when they don't win, um, I mean, there's always this reflection of, you know, am I doing the right thing to get to the next level, right? And, you know, that isn't always going to be, you know, my preparation was right. Right. You're always going to kind of analyze things. I think, you know, when people look at these relationships and they go, well, why isn't Danny, you know, working with you anymore? Why isn't Elizabeth? It's not like these big, huge breakups. You know, I saw Danny right. the other day. I was cordial with her. You know, I, I'm fairly certain that that she was not all that cordial with me just because, you know, she sort of missed that money. Right. And and that makes sense to me. But this is why I'm bringing it up, because. What I decided was that I was no longer going to have relationships with people that were kind of doing need to perform, right? Mm -hmm. And I wasn't going to invest a lot of my time trying to, to help someone. I, you know, one of the discussions that we, we had had, you know, was with the owner of CrossFit New England, Ben Bergeron, right? And Ben's sort of famous. This year, he had two CrossFit Games winners. And I was on the phone with Ben with... Uh, with Mike Nelson, you know, our PhD on staff. And people think that like all these guys, you know, they have this abacus and they've got all this training down to a science and, and all this other type of stuff. And here I am explaining to Ben, who's a very smart guy, you know, the benefits of his athletes having a better understanding of the amount of food. And so he was explaining to me, you know, the value of getting 0.3 seconds better in a wad or, you know, three pounds on a squat or something like this. And I said, well, what if you had an athlete, right? And that athlete is under eating based on the fact that they don't have any understanding of their total daily energy expenditure at all. Do you think that they could get that 0.3 easily? It, like, let's say that they're eating 3000 calories and are supposed to be eating 5,000 calories. Do you think they get that point three a little bit easier? Um, and we we walk through ultimately, mm -hmm. you know, 
Um, and Ben's not the only person that I've ever had these conversations with, but but in general, it comes, it it's transfer of power, right? Mm-hmm. If if someone sees you, you know, I, I think you know we didn't end up doing anything with CrossFit New England. Um, clearly, you know, he had two CrossFit Games winners this year. Uh, most of their nutrition they're doing on their own. And and that's fine. I don't I don't think that Matt tracks. I think Sarah does. Um, and uh, you know, obviously, both of them are, are are doing fine. I think when you look at Rich Froning, Matt, those guys have a basic understanding that the amount of food that they eat matters a great deal, right? Uh-huh. And the only thing that was ever important to me is the thing that I ultimately decided on. When you look at Anna and Kelly, and I, you know, there's a, there's a number of people that I'm probably excluding, but the only thing that matters to me is, are you a part of our community? Right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, when you look back at the people that used to be, you know, sponsored by eat to perform most of which got cash right i wasn't giving them like bags of cogenics you know i would do whatever i could you know we are able to sell a lot of stuff for people and so we do have a fair amount of influence from that standpoint but at the end of the day you know these people aren't driving bentley's you know they're just you know, getting some protein so they recover from their workouts a little bit better. Mm -hmm. And so from my standpoint, if you're going to be a part of Eat to Perform, you got to be a part of Eat to Perform. And when you look Mm -hmm. at Kelly as an example, um, it's not Packers, by the way, it's, um, it's Louisiana State University. Um, But when you look at Kelly as an example, where, you know, she's a high level, um, CrossFit masters, you know, she, she went from, you know, not making regionals. She made regionals at 39. Um, and then the very next year qualified for, um, CrossFit masters, uh, 40 to 44. I think this year she missed it by one point. But when you go into Kelly's journal, what you see is that, she has one of the best journals of anybody in each form. When uh-huh. you go to Anna on Instagram, you know, Anna is probably, you know, I, I would argue that, you know, other than maybe say Christmas Abbott, I don't see a lot. You know, it's kind of funny because I, I don't see a lot of people that aren't in my wake. You know, if I don't, if I don't, you know, follow you or, or don't right. know you personally, but I know that, you know, Anna Holda, Anna Olaf's daughter, like, I, I don't know what people call her, but but she's got a lot of followers on Instagram. Um, you know, what's nice about Anna is, one, I mean, her, her attitude is just amazing. She's also plant mostly plant-based, um, which is really interesting to me because, you know, we have a lot of people that, that eat like that. And then, uh-huh. you know, I think more than anything, like... It's the best way to say it is I don't want to be in a relationship with someone that doesn't love me back. You right. know what I'm saying? Like if someone doesn't respect 
the thing that you're bringing to the relationship, you know, then, you know, it, it, it might not be them, right? It might not be you, but I have a, a high standard. Like if you work for me, if I sponsor you, you know, we at least have to have an understanding that I'm bringing something to the table that that you appreciate. And when somebody right. moves on, it doesn't mean that you didn't have a high level of influence like like Jolene Undershoot, you know, who is someone that I just dig. I mean, look, Jolene, Jordan, Danny, all Elizabeth. I mean, these are all people that I love to see have success. You know, mm-hmm. um, when I see teams that we've worked with in the past, I love to see those teams have success. But the thought that, you know, every single day, you know, they're doing their seven day rhythm and then, you know, I'm analyzing their trend sheets and, and stuff like this. You know, that happens um, in certain cases, but it really only happens when the relationship feels right, you know, and, and I'm not going to sponsor a lot of people that the relationship doesn't feel right. You know, I mean, when you look at, I think it was 2014, you know, I mentioned this in the article, we had 25% of the people that had been eat perform members or purchase each perform products. And we kind of talked to them, you know, um, masters. I mean, in terms of, you know, CrossFit games, athletes, I mean, you know, people, have this reverence for these guys as if they're actual celebrities, right? They're celebrities right. in the way that I'm a celebrity, right? They can walk into, you know, <laughs> like they can walk into a Cub Foods and ain't nobody going to mess with them. You know what I mean? Right. Nobody knows who they are, you know, but they can do these crazy cool things. And I think as an example, as part of a community that can be very inspiring, you know, but if you're not going to be part of the community, it would sort of be like me owning a gym and hiring a trainer and that trainer just shows up, doesn't talk to people, doesn't hashtag us, doesn't, you know, do all the things that you would sort of expect from someone, you know, if you do eat to perform, I want you to be as excited about eat to perform as the clients are. Like you, you, well, first of all, if, if I'm giving my time and effort to you, you know, it should be appreciated, you know? And once again, I'm not saying that anybody from the past did not appreciate anything that we did for them, but it's like a relationship that you had in the past. You have some real good memories from those people. You know, if I see any of those people in an event, I'm going to, I'm going to keep the TV on that event, right? Because I root for those people, you know, but at the same time, you know, it's like having a good memory with an old girlfriend that, you know, you're now married and you've moved on, you know? And for me, you know, I think that I looked at Eat Perform as kind of this avenue where we could help athletes and now we tend to be more focused on you know the people that we have that are part of our community and then really focus on on the clients and so i thought that that was sort of an interesting piece 
But I think that this idea, the reason why I brought up the bin thing is because when you look at Matt Frazier or, or you look at, gosh, Sarah, Sarah Sigmund's daughter, what's her last name? Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. We should know these things, right? I don't I know who they are. You know? Yeah. I mean, like I said, she could walk into Cub Foods and Egan right now. Nobody knows who she is, you know? But she's obviously very popular. Um, but I think this this idea that, you know, everybody has a great understanding. You know, Rich Froning works his ass off. Whoever coaches Rich Froning, they just got a a little bit lucky that he showed up at their doorstep. I mean, Matt <laughs> Frazier, you know, had it mostly right, you know, when he was working with Danny at, you know, um, CrossFit Champlain Valley with Jay Jenny, right? And then when he moved on to Ben Bergeron, Ben gets a lot of that credit. Well, you know, Jay helped build that foundation. Obviously, Matt already had a lot of foundation from, you know, the Olympic lifting. So I just think it's, it's sort of interesting. I thought people might like that insight. Um, mm-hmm. Have we gotten any trend sheets to review? It doesn't look like we probably have. I just sent Jared's to you. Jared posted, um, let's see, said, um, you gave me some new numbers to follow a couple weeks ago and asked me to follow up. So this is kind of his two-week review button. Okay, cool. Things are Things are going good. Chugging along, he says. Yeah, so so for those that can't see um, the changes that I made to his plan, ultimately, looks like he's down roughly about eight pounds. He's male, you know, 5'11", um, 27 years old. So, you know, when, you know, we get to a point with an athlete that is that young, um, and we start to match food with output, good things happen. Um, what we did, I'm just trying to see, mostly his protein was a little bit higher than I think it needed to be, and we changed mm-hmm. his goal to performance. Now, what's interesting about performance is that a lot of people look at performance and they, they, they think, okay, well, I'm going to stay weight stable. Well, if you look at Jared's instance, you know, he's down roughly eight pounds um, and probably four to five pounds since I made that change. And what you're trying to do is come to some compromise as it relates to, you know, the amount of output compared to intake. And I think having his protein that high wasn't necessarily going to be super favorable What's interesting about protein, and I think a lot of people, um, you know, one of the things that I talk about with protein is that you can, it's hard to overeat protein. It's really kind of the one macro that if you're a little hungry, you know, add in some more protein. Um, Oftentimes, protein will come with some fat, so that can be a little bit difficult. But if you're trying to push you know, the limits of what you want to do, protein is a good way to do it. In this instance, though, we did reduce protein. It reduced calories, but I don't think that that's the big thing. I think what ended up happening, we did move his, his fats up a little bit as a result of that change. We sort of traded those out, and those fats 
allowed him to be a little bit more comfortable and that was a, a positive thing. So, you know, um, I would say as things are going, there's really no need to, to change. And what I like about being in a performance cycle, I would say if we, you know, right now we're a little over 250, what I'd probably like to see is get below 245 and then maybe move to um, a little bit higher macros so we could mm -hmm. really sort of push that performance thing, maybe even stabilize weight for, you know, a short period of time so then we can maybe get back to a little bit more of a deficit down the road. So Elite, we did get a few comments. That we got, yeah. Go ahead. Joanna, Joanna had asked, um, and I'll get you her time sheet, but she's just, she's in a fat loss phase. Yeah. She's going on vacation for four days and asking what, how do you handle that? When you know, you're going to be away and you're on a fat loss phase. Yeah. So, um, let me take a look at her trend sheet. And there are a lot of people asking questions, and I will try mm -hmm. to get to those questions. But this is really more of a podcast for you know clients. Um, if we have time at the end, we'll, we'll definitely um, try and squeeze those in. We don't have a ton of trend sheets being reviewed today, so I think we're okay. Mm -hmm. All right. So... Joanna, fat loss phase, things trending down. In terms of vacation, I would say that, you know, what we have going right now is fairly aggressive. We haven't been too aggressive for too long, right? Um, we just started moving into a fat loss phase. Here's my strategy when I'm trying to keep my weight in check, typically I move to kind of a one big meal strategy, right? And so it sort of depends on your comfort level with this kind of thing. But, and some people might need to have kind of two smaller meals. I think the temptation is that when you're on vacation to have a big breakfast, right? Yeah. And then and then you kind of have this long day in the middle and then you kind of snack in and you by the pool and mm -hmm. you have nachos and and uh, and mojitos. Right. Um, and then all of a sudden you go, well, I've already eaten so much. So this lobster dinner is going to be no big deal. And oh, by the way, margaritas are going to work, too. And then, right. and then you go, well, I'm on vacation, no big deal. Then you come back and the scale's up six, seven pounds and you freak out. And you go, you know, I need super calorie restriction. Do you? Because realistically, you know, it's no fun on vacation to move to the strategy that I'm about to mention. But typically, <laughs> but, but you're still having some level of enjoyment, right? And then right. the other piece of what I'm about to talk about is the fact that you can't expect that necessarily you're going to be lower in weight. I will tell you though, more often than not, I am lower in weight on vacations because one, my level of activity is typically higher. And if I'm really focused on fat loss, I do travel quite a bit, 
So I use this strategy more when I'm traveling on vacation. I don't typically like to be in a deficit cycle. But here's what I do. So typically I will delay breakfast as long as is comfortable. I'm not trying to, you know, be super. And if anybody's familiar with intermittent fasting windows, this is sort of what I'm talking about, right? Where you're having kind of a 12 to 14 hour window. Typically I will have something like oatmeal um, with some protein. The later in the day, the better. And what I will often do is set up my dinners a little bit earlier, right? So if I can delay that breakfast to say noon, and then I have kind of a bigger dinner around 5, 5.30, then that ends up being fine. And usually I can eat pretty freely. Now, can you overeat in one meal? Absolutely, right? I mean, mm-hmm. what a lot of people don't think about with restaurant food is that it tastes good for a reason. You know, right. those high-paid chefs, you know, <laughs> you know, they're, they're putting a lot of truffle oil, you know, and butter and all this other type of stuff that's going to add a lot of calories to that food. And so now all of a sudden, if you have a lot of calories for breakfast... The other strategy that people tend to try to do that is really difficult to do is to try and just, you know, work out so much that you're kind of, you know, um, not going to end up, you're going to come back and the scale is going to be even. I, I don't think that that strategy typically works for people and then they tend to um, get kind of these overuse issues and it sort of misses the point of vacation, right? <laughs> like, right. you know, if you're spending three to four hours trying to work out and normally you work out like one hour a day, I think you're mm-hmm. sort of kind of missing the point. You know, when I'm going to right. Cancun, I'm wanting to sit on the beach. You know, right. I don't need a ton of energy to do that. I mean, sure. When the water's beating on me and, and, um, you're just kind of in that mode of, of relaxation. Food is often something that you want to be a part of that. So if you have a strategy. <laughs> now, one of the, the other things that we do as a family that has been really interesting is, and, and once again, I mean, this is kind of a budget thing, but we try to stay at hotels with club levels. And I will say that the, the first one that we ever stayed at was Ritz-Carlton, which is obviously not, you know, super cheap, you know. But when you stay at Ritz-Carlton club level and you're in New Orleans, as an example, you're going to get flavors of New Orleans, but they're small meals, right? And so you, you can have two to three small meals throughout the day, and that's a little bit better than having these just crazy calorie meals and of course you're going to have dessert and you're going to have all these different things and so that's also a strategy when we were in cancun we stayed at a jw marriott which is a little bit of a step down from ritz carlton but they also had a club level and we loved it you know like i said a lot of the times i'll come back from vacation for me vacation This is a little bit of me being a finicky eater, right? But I'd rather eat 
food near my hometown that I know that that food's good rather than kind of like this, you know, restaurant that, you know, well, you don't know. Yeah, you don't know. But here's the other other thing about club level that's kind of interesting. When you're with your family, everyone sort of knows what ends up happening, right? You've got four people. All four have different ideas. With club level, you don't think about it, right? You just show up at 9 a.m. You just show up at 12.30. And then you show up. With club level, there's usually like these five or six things that you can kind of do. And we do tend to show up like five or six times. Um, (laughs) And just, you know, just go there to get water, maybe have a cookie, something something like that. Um, but everybody can kind of get what they want. What happens with most vacations, and the reason why I'll pay more for club level than I will um, when I'm not, is because I don't want to have the debate with my 16 year old daughters on what they want to eat. They're vegetarian. Right. I'm not a vegetarian. So now all of a sudden oh, yeah. you've got this big honking debate on uh-huh. meal choices that doesn't yeah. end up being super fun, you know? Um, and so club level can be pretty helpful in that regard. How are we doing on, on trend sheet reviews? Cause I want to get to a few questions that are on the main page. You can go ahead to questions cause we don't have any more okay. trend sheets right now. So, let's see. Um, Joe was saying, I think, as with most things, the argument rests on money. Pictures of ripped guys and shredded women is typically what sells. See the picture and want to look like they do. It's impossible without assistance. I don't know that it's impossible without assistance. I mean, but I do think, you know, like in the article that they put up with me, Athletes Daily, you know, is, is a picture from me six years ago. I think a lot of people look at that picture and go, wow, that's really impressive. When I look at that picture, I go, wow, I look small, right? Yeah, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, and like if you look at at me now, you know, I'm much more built out, right? Am I eight-packed up? Hell no. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 most of the people, like Joe's saying, most of the people that are eight packed up right there, a lot of times they're dehydrated. You don't know. I mean, you know, I put out a series of pictures uh, probably three months ago. And the point of those pictures was to show the difference between what you would look like without a pump and what it would look like when you have a pump, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you're you know, worked out and you just did like 200 crunches, certainly your abs are going to look a little bit better in that scenario. Um, You know, a lot of the look that I would argue is dehydrated is what a lot of people look at and go, that's my ideal. Well, if your ideal is high, they don't, most people don't realize that. Yeah. but he's saying if you put your money down on something and you don't have the full, full picture how they got there, um, it's 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 fair it's unfair is I think what his point he sort of broke up at at the end there. Um, I do think that that's true, right? I think that you know when you look at the advertisements that we put out, they're action shots, right? There's somebody working out. And there's somebody doing, you know, usually it's a need to perform coach and, um, 
you know, they're working out and you see their muscles because, you know, that's just naturally happening. Um, so David's saying people need to realize that everyone has a genetic disposition. Everyone will not look the same as fitness models advertisers use no matter what workout routine or diet you practice. I think that that's true. I think the other thing, too, is like what's your relationship with yourself, right? If, right. if you're happy with, you know, your look in the mirror, then you can be a little bit more patient and you can be some version of that, right? I mean, you look at, at, at my physique where I have abs, I'm in shape, I take off my shirt and people know that I lift weights, but nobody's mistaking me for Brad Pitt anytime soon. Right. Get out of town. It happens, yes, Sarah. They do. I don't need. Oh, by the way, I, like I said the other day, I don't need his problems. But uh, yeah. <laughs> but David's saying the focus should be on being your best self and maintaining a heightened level of fitness. The problem with that is that most people coming to fitness don't understand necessarily the hard work that needs to go into that. And they do have unrealistic expectations. What mm -hmm. we'll often see on this side of things is you have someone that's overweight. I, I remember this for myself. I remember when I first started body fat testing, I was absolutely convinced based on all the pictures that I'd seen on the internet and stuff like this, that I was 20%, right? When mm -hmm. I body fat tested, I was 32%. I mean, mm -hmm. that was hard to hear when I had put so much work at that point, you know, I was down roughly 50 pounds, lose 50 pounds and, and be down, you know, and be 32% was really hard to hear within a year. I was 9%, right? Because I didn't have that pity party that a lot of people have and go, well, if this would, if this just get all this hard work gets me to 32%, well, it's tacos and cheesecake time, you know? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? Like, 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 and it, it didn't change anything. I thought I was 20%. I thought I looked great, you know? Yeah. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, my, my focus needed to be a little bit more on muscle building. I've spent the last six, seven years, you know, building muscle. You know, a lot of people, when they look at, you know, my physique now or, or my journey now, they'll, they'll, you know, impress upon me their version of what they, they view for me. You know, I know what it takes to build muscle. And I know that, you know, like I said, without a needle in my ass, you know, it's going to be hard to put on that kind of muscle. And you have to be okay with a little bit of fat gain when you're trying to put on muscle. So Chantel saying, see, I don't, I'm just reading these and I don't know where they're going because it could be, could be totally out there. Um, hey, Deform, so what route do you recommend for someone who wants to look a certain way to get the right info on meals right. and, and supplements without spending a mortgage? Um, well, I think we have a pretty good answer for that. Um, yeah. You know, when I used to have individual clients, we would charge anywhere from you know, I would charge anywhere from $500 to $1,000 a month for that person, depending on the level of service. And, you know, these were, you know, super high level folks that could afford that kind of interaction. And so I'd go to their house. I would I would meet them at Whole Foods and we'd buy groceries and have those discussions. Um, 
what we've done with each reform is bring it in at a regular price point. Like right now, um, and if you're listening to this six months from now, you know, the price is almost certainly going to be much higher than it is um, uh -huh. today because we're having a sale going into our October challenge. But I think it's like $30 as kind of an intro price for three months, which right. is a phenomenal deal. And people say, well, why would you sell it that cheap for the level of service that you're giving people? And the simple answer is, is that Shondell doesn't know the level of, of I, I'm hoping that I'm pronouncing her name right or his uh -huh. name right, you know, um, but they don't know the level of service we're giving. So that's why right. we give that entry level price. And I think that that ends up being sort of helpful and and once once you you know once you get into eat perform and once you start to dive in and doing your part i think mm -hmm. what you start to realize is that what we're talking about is very different from other people and a lot of what david was saying we do stand in opposition to that you know we do put out marketing you know we show examples of people that aren't just shredded all the time Right. And it does stand in contrast to the rest of the health and fitness industry, and it probably does cost a business. But I'd much be, I'd much rather be a sincere small business yeah. than a disingenuous big business that has right. that has abs in their in their URL, right? Um, yeah. And and they're gone in six months, right? It's right. all clickbaity type stuff without real actual information. And yeah. I think one of the things that a lot of people like about what we talk about is the truth, you know? Right. And when people hear the truth, I think they recognize the truth. I know it's a temptation to buy things that aren't. Most people that buy Eat Reform, the first thing they say to me is I've literally tried everything else, you know? Right. And that's who we like the most, right? Because right. You know, when you're kind of at your wit's end, you're willing to do everything it takes to succeed. You know, it's I think that that's reflective in like when you're talking about our, our progress pictures that we have, it's it's realistic yeah. there. And I think that that's the target audience that our community is made up of. I mean, yeah. we're everybody's real people who appreciate. Well, and that's honesty. why that's why I did that, that, you know, um, that photo shoot. Right where where I showed all my pictures, even like the pictures mm -hmm. that were, you know, like you would never you would you would delete it from Instagram, right? right. You would never show those <laughs> pictures, right? I showed all those pictures just so everyone understood mm -hmm. every piece of my journey. You know, yeah. um, did did that land us with a lot of clients? It probably didn't, but I think at the end of the day, I'm okay with the turtle approach, right? I'd right. much rather, like I said, be a small business that's, you know, sincere and honest about what progress looks like rather than throwing out kind of these, you know, fake scenarios that, that, right. that are, you know, kind of. Well, not realistic for yeah. everybody. Yeah. I mean well, and, and even people that are fit, like I said, you know, I mean, there's pictures yeah. of me at 9%. Am I 9% right now? No. You know, I'm right. I'm 13 to 15 at, at any given time, you know, but that's sort of what needs to happen when, 
you're trying to put on muscle. You can't put on muscle in a deficit. You know, that's kind of the, the big takeaway of our most recent book. So Elise saying, I don't have a review, but an update. You up my macros two weeks ago. Feel awesome. Let's feel so much better. Punch through overhead press and I'm training down weight, which is awesome. Um, what a lot of people don't realize is that there's this intersection point with the amount of what you do and the amount that you're eating. And what Elise is describing is the fact that she's actually able to get to a bit of a deficit even with her calories higher because she has more energy throughout the day. She's improving at, at workouts. And that's been our argument since day one. Our argument since day one is getting be better at exercise matters. I think one of the things that kind of came out in the Athletes Daily article, and if, you know, uh, maybe I can post it to, um, I don't know if April, um, you know, is, I think I saw her watching it earlier so she could post it too. But, to this feed? Yeah, but okay. it doesn't really occur to people a few things, right, that we brought to the picture. One, that you can eat an adequate amount of, of food and not gain weight, right? There, There is a high level of doing component there, but when that piece is in place, a lot of good stuff happens. The other thing is, is consistency consistently talking about the same approach, right? What we believe in in an uncompromising way is that dieting most of the time is harmful and doesn't get people to where they want to go and that cycles need to happen. And when you look at how we've structured our organization or restructured our organization, this is an interesting piece that a lot of people don't consider. People say, well, I liked it when you were one price and I didn't have to pay anymore. And I get why people like that, but it doesn't force you to be better, right? When mm -hmm. you're on a subscription, that means Sarah and I got to be better. And if we're not right. going to be better, you're going to leave, right? right? That was one of the biggest changes that we made that I think as a staff, we took on as a challenge. And we had, you know, we probably had 20 other people on staff at the time that didn't take up their cha that challenge and now they're gone, right? Um, right. It, you know, is it more hard work doing things that way? Yeah. But is it better for the client long-term? Absolutely. So Shondell saying, thank you. I'll be joining. I really appreciate the info. Don't want to follow some random Instagram model. Um, and then Sarah just posted the Athletes yeah. Daily um, article. All right, you guys. So we only had a, a, a few trend sheet reviews. If you want to listen back to um, our podcast, like I said, um, iTunes, Stitcher, uh, SoundCloud, we have a lot of, uh, you know, trend sheet live podcasts that I think are real interesting to expose you guys to the way that we think, right? And um, that can be helpful. So I appreciate everybody listening in. 
And we'll talk to you guys later. Bye now. Bye, guys. Bye.